Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Here we are on May 18th. The transfer portal has been closed for, oh, about a week or so. But look, there are plenty of players still out there. Some 800 players or so are still not committed. And that is scary. 800 college basketball players gave up a full scholarship to take a chance at the portal. Now, listen, some of them will land. They will find greener pastures. But then again, what happens if those pastures aren't so green and they dry up? Then what? Well, we'll see what happens. But Rick Patino does not have to worry about that. He's been one of the busiest coaches in America the past two months, completely overhauling his roster. Really, it's the equivalent of buying a broken down old house, tearing it down to the foundation, and building a brand spanking new house in your way. So let's talk about Patino and the St. John's program, where they're going. Here to talk about the new look Red Storm is our good friend Zach Braziller from the New York Post. Zach, how's it going? Pretty good. How, how are you? I'm doing well. And first of all, congratulations. I mean, congratulations on getting through what was a, a crazy basketball season for you, juggling coverage of the Knicks and St. John's. My God, you killed it, man. Hey, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, it was obviously uh, it was a very unique basketball season, to put it that way. No doubt. Um, you, you juggled it very well. And, and uh, the Knicks gave you a little run there. And and uh, maybe they, they have things going in the right direction. I can say this. Uh, St. John's has things going in the right direction. W- I mean, what do you think about what has transpired, right? Since Mike Anderson got fired and in less than two months, in about 55 days, Rick Patino basically uh, has a brand new roster with Joel Soriano at the center of it. I like what they did for the most part. Um, he wanted a completely new team and he got one. Um, Jordan Dingle was to me the, the big one uh, transfer from Penn. He was the second leading scorer in the country last year. He kind of gives them a, a potentially elite inside out duo with, with, with Soriano. Uh, I, I really like what they did with the two wings, RJ Luis, all, all Atlantic 10 freshman team is, you know, last year at UMass, Oregon State starting small forward, Glenn Taylor Jr. You know, I, I really could see those two guys starting together, the three and the four. St. John's wants to go small. He brought in Dennis Jenkins from Iona, who was a second team all Mac player, uh, you know, uh, a good shooter, a good lead guard. I expect, you know, him, him, and, him and Diggler are going to play together. Um, you know, the one guy that's gotten overlooked and I think shouldn't is Naheem Alid from UConn. Mm. You know, he was um, basically their sixth man. He's a, he was a guy who was a three-year starter at Virginia Tech. He's a very good player, a very good two-way player. He's a good defender. He's a good shooter. And I, I really like him. I think he's going to be a guy who has a, who has a really big impact. I, you know, the biggest thing to me is the shooting. Um, they brought in a ton of guys who could really shoot the three. And that's been a major, major weakness uh, of this program for a long time. You know, well said, no Zach. You well know? said. So, I was going to go there because now, listen, Soriano is, is clearly one of the best big men in the country. 
uh, led the league, led the country in double doubles last year, along with Zach Eady from Purdue. And, you know, you teams could focus on him, right? And dare St. John's to shoot from the outside. Uh, you can never have a couple of things. You can never have enough height and you can never have enough shooters. And in this case, I think Rick Patino, this guy's been uh, loving the three and embracing the three ever since he was at Providence. And the three got, you know, instituted in college basketball in 1987. So uh, they may not be the greatest amount of shooters, but boy, he does have a lot of shooters and, and they have improved that markedly. Talk about the shooting that he's assembled, Zach. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, I mean, it, it's a roster that really fits um, Soriano so much better because you can't, you know, with with the shooter they have, it's going to make teams either say, look, we're going to have to guard him one-on-one, which will be very hard, or we're going to have to give up open shots. And, you know, it's, it's something that this program has lacked for a long time is they're going to have now three or four guys who can shoot threes on the floor at, at the same time. And that's something that they just haven't had. It's really something that, you know, the it's modern college, it's modern basketball, it's modern college basketball where you have to be able to shoot the three. You know, last year, I think they were 232nd in the country in, in three-point percentage, which is bad. But what was even worse was the amount of threes they took, 17.7, which was sub-300. And now they got a team that's going to shoot a ton of threes. That's probably going to make them at a high rate. That's going to, and it's it, you know, it's not even just having guys who can shoot the three. It's having guys that are threats. So teams have to account for that. So you're going to have so much better court spacing. That was one thing they their spacing last year was so bad because they had so few guys who teams had to respect from three. And now you're going to have that and. You know, I, I like the the way they formulated this roster where you have shooters, you have slashers, um, you have Soriano, obviously, in the paint. And, you know, I I think that's one thing they did that was really smart. So Taylor from Oregon State, he's, he's someone yeah. that, honestly, I don't know much about. Uh, you know, a Pac-12 guy, it's tough to get those games unless you're staying up late. Uh, but he seems to be pretty intriguing, too. I know you mentioned Aline, and we saw a lot of him at UConn, and and he's somebody who was kind of like, you know, the eighth man in that rotation under uh, under Dan Hurley. Uh, Taylor's a guy that played a lot at Oregon State. How much do you think he can help uh, with his wingspan and, and, and also his athleticism? And what will St. John's fans like about him? Yeah, look, he's a two-way guy. Uh, I spoke to a, a Pac-12 coach about him after he committed. He's a guy who defends. He's a guy um, who can score multiple ways. He averaged two points to assists last year, so there's some playmaking there as well. And you know, the other thing to take into account is Oregon. Oregon State uh, played incredibly slow, so you know he averaged over 11 a game and averaged over two assists. But you also have to remember there was very few possessions for him to do that. You know, I've heard he's a guy that can be a little up and down. Um, you know, one game he's great, and the next game he's kind of doesn't really make much of an impact. So that's one thing, um, you know, that St. John's obviously is going to work with him on is that consistency. But there's a lot of talent in there, um, and I know that's they were very, very pleased to get him. Yeah, the, uh, you know, and a bunch of teams were going after him as well. And 
Uh, great get by Patino there. How about the local guys from Iona? Four of them coming over. Obviously, Rick knows them from having coached them. Uh, how much will they play a part? You already mentioned one in Dennis Jenkins. How 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 big of a role will they play? You know, Jenkins obviously is going to play a big role. Um, he, you know, it, it's going to be him and Dingle as your two main facilitators and, and main ball handlers. You know, the other guy to me that's going to have a chance to play a significant role is Quinn Slizinski. That It's one area where they are thin here, St. John's is inside. You know, after Soriano, it's Slizinski, it's the uh, Kansas transfer, Zuby Elgio for, you know, and look, Slizinski does have ability. He's 6'9". He can shoot threes. He only played seven games last year. He had a bad foot injury. Patino really likes him. Um, so he's going to have a chance to have a big role, you know, it, he, it's not crazy to think he could be their starting power forward. You know, um, he isn't, he needs to put on some muscle here for the big East. He's only about 215 pounds, but he is another guy who can stretch the floor and, and can shoot the three. Um, so, you know, and then the other two, they do like Davis Cruz and, um, Sadiku Ayo. I just, I don't see either one having a huge role. Um, I do know they they really like Ao's defensive versatility. He's a six seven guy who can guard multiple positions. Um, but I, I you know I, I don't know if either. I think both of those guys who only played one year in college are kind of more on the developmental side um, and players Patino's going to work with. But I think for next year they're probably you know minor contributors. Okay, I I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You mentioned Zuby Ejafor. Now there's someone who who's really intriguing, right? Former top 50 prospect, went to Kansas, buried on the bench there. So we don't know what he can do on the college level. But man, if anyone ever looks the part and and has the potential for growth, he's only played one one year of college basketball, has three years left. So working with Patino and going up against Soriano in practice, uh, what is the potential for Ejafor? Yeah, look, he he he's, he was a big time high school prospect. He had a lot of really good schools that were interested in him. He took a visit to Villanova, Kentucky, and expressed interest. Um, so yeah, look, he's clearly got a guy with a lot of talent. Um, they were very impressed when they worked him out here. They thought he's a guy that could actually shoot the ball a little bit too, which he didn't really get a chance to show at Kansas. He's a great athlete. Uh, he's look, he's gonna get a chance to play here. There's no question about it. Um, they're going to need, like I said, they are a little thin up front. Um, that's to me the one area on the roster. In addition to not really having a backup point guard, that's the one really area on the roster where they're thin. I, me personally, I would have kept, um, Omar Stanley. Um, uh, they, they didn't. Um, I, I'd say, I think that's the one spot on the roster that could be an issue is, not really having a true experience for not really, you know, having a true experience backup center, you know, now if LGO four is good, no one's going to, no one's going to say anything and you'll be fine. But, you know, I just think if, if one of these big guys gets injured, foul trouble, it's just, they've kind of left themselves a little short up front. Um, but, you know, we'll time will tell. Very good point. And in the in a conference like the Big East, where there are plenty of bigs 
up and down the majority of the rosters. You're right. We'll see how that unfolds. You can, if guys are healthy and edge of four develops, they'll be okay. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So excellent point there. How about, how about the fact that, um, Patino, you mentioned this, you know, Stanley, obviously, you know, guys like Posh, guys like Adewusu, AJ Store. Were you surprised that everyone was let go for whatever reason? What um and and what are your thoughts on on you know Patino just moving along from all of those guys? You know, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised. You could kind of it, it was pretty clear um, on his at his press conference where he said he didn't get great reviews on a lot of the players. Um, you know, Joel Soriano was the only player there. Um, you know, he, he's going to want people he's familiar with, players he trusts, players he who understand him. Um, you know, look, they they were willing. There were a few guys they were willing to keep. Um, AJ Store, Posh Alexander, and it just it just didn't work out for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, there, there are different kind of extenuating circumstances there, but no, look, he's talks a lot about culture and the culture was not good at St. John's with Mike Anderson the last few years. There's no question about it. Um, you know, you have players getting suspended. You had disciplinary issues. You had, you know, a, 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 a very out of control team on the court often, and so no, I'm I'm not surprised. You know, look, I said I would have I thought Stanley was a guy worth keeping. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a really good person, number one. And I think he's got a guy a guy who has a lot of potential. I thought he ended up at Boise State, which I think is kind of a good level for him. Uh, but I think he could have helped them next year. I do. Okay. Uh that's fair. So where do you see the whole Mike Anderson lawsuit uh going? Unfortunately, there's this cloud over the program. He's suing the university for $45.6 million. Uh, what can you tell us about that? And and how do you see it being resolved in any way? You know, this is, to me, this is all just semantics. He, he He's looking for the money he he's owed. They don't want to pay him the full, you know, 11. Um, so he's now putting stuff out in the media that's, you know, could it draw headlines? You know, if, if they thought they had any chance to get to Sault Ste. John's and get extra money, they wouldn't be broadcasting it. Um, they're in arbitrate. You know, that's one thing that's kind of been misconstrued through this whole thing. It's arbitration. It's not, they're not suing. It's arbitration, and that's part of arbitration. Um, but they're, <clears throat> it, look, he's going to get a lot of what he's owed. Is he going to get all of it? Probably not, but this is this is all just about, you know, look, you know, from what I heard, they tried to go to him before all this started, and said, look, we'll we'll come to it a buyout agreement. And he said, no, I want I want every penny, um, you know, and clearly it got acrimonious, and and so they said, you know, we there was a lot of stuff we didn't like that was going on, so you know, we're gonna fire you with cause, um, uh, if you're not willing to take a buyout. Um, he obviously didn't like that, and, and that's where it's gone from here. But the fact that his people are leaking stuff to the media, to ESPN, um, and you know, it to me is is they're trying to put pressure on St. John's, and St. John's isn't happy with it at all. 
you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to play hardball here too. Um, and so look, I, I, I think at some point both sides will agree on something. Um, but right now it's, you know, they're, they're playing hardball. How much has Mike Rapoli, the founder of vitamin water being back in the mix helped infuse St. John's? How, how big has that been? Oh, it's helped. There's no question. Um, you know, he's, he's involved and, you know, he has a relationship with Rick Pitino and there's no question, but he's not the only one. I mean, there are other people now involved, you know, Rick Pitino's the coach. All of a sudden you get more yeah. and more people with money who want to help and be involved. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I've been told NIL is not an issue at all right now that they have plenty to work with. They need to organize it a little bit. Um, there's store marketing and then there's some other, um, you know, collectives that are, they're trying to get off the ground as well within the school. Um, but you know, it, Rapoli has helped, but he's not, look, he's not the only one. There are a lot of money people who are now going to want to be involved. Um, you know, St. John's is kind of, is kind of cool again, put it, to put it, you know, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a silly way, but like they're, they're going to be good next year. I, I have no doubt. And it's going to be a program that a lot of people are going to want to be involved with. Um, you know, that Rick Pitino really kind of changes everything. So in the scheme of the big East, if we, if we have a way too early prediction for where St. John's falls, Zach, I think you'd agree that the top four are, are pretty, pretty darn good and possibly ranked in the top 25 preseason. And in any order, you could probably go UConn, Marquette, Creighton, and Xavier. After that, where does St. John's fall right now in the middle of May in your estimation? I'd go five to six, you know. Um, I think I think I, I think they're tier. I would go my tier first tier would be UConn and Marquette. Mm -hmm. My next tier would be Xavier and Creighton. Um my third my third tier would then be Providence, uh, St. John's, and Nova. And then I think the bottom four of Hall, Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler. But I think St. John's is right there as good as anyone in fifth. And I, you know, I, I could see even dropping Creighton if Trey Alexander and Kaluma don't come back. Um, but I think they're tournament team. You know, I talked, I have a story coming out tomorrow talking to a bunch of coaches and analysts about, about their roster. And, you know, like it's, they are, you know, there are a few holes. I think the the lack of the thin front court and the lack of a backup point guard, but I think it's a it's a good team. I do. I think it's a tournament team. I think it's a team that, you know, could be like somewhere from like a six to an eight seed. Um they're the Petito's gonna coach them up. They're gonna be a really good shooting team. They're gonna be, you know, I expect them to be a team that's gonna press you a lot, um, use their length and quickness and some of their backcourt depth to to really tire teams out. Um I don't think they're Creighton, Marquette, or Xavier, but I think there's a case to be made that they're as good as anyone else, especially if Creighton doesn't get those two two guys back. I I have always been a big fan of Rick Pitino. Okay, to me, ever since I was in high school, uh, I loved him. Uh, he gets results, obviously, when he's at a big time program like Louisville and Kentucky, where the pockets are deep. He can get the five star players, but he knows how to coach blue collar guys as well. 
You know, we saw that early on and I, I know it's a different era, but Billy Donovan and Delray Brooks and, you know, that 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 Providence team was was very good and went to the final four. Coming from Mike Anderson, OK, and let's call it an un, undisciplined, you know, helter skelter street ball type of a an atmosphere on the court to Rick Patino, you know, national championship winning coach, won two national championships, proven track record. Hall of Famer, how much of a difference can he make in X's and O's and getting results on the court in your estimation? They're just going to be, to me, to put it in the simplest way, they're going to be organized. Too much with Mike Anderson, they were just disorganized. You know, they they, they didn't really run much in the offense, in the half court. Their defense was just scrambling and double teaming everyone. You know, there, there's going to be they're going to be organized. There's going to be much less chaos. Um, you know, there there's going to be, you know, they're going to play differently. They're going to rest. They're going to play half court. They're going to, you know, they're going to run stuff. They're going to run run actions for shooters and and may and and, and their offense is going to be spaced. It's just. They're just going to, you know, I think the simplest way is it's just going to be a much more organized team you're going to see. Uh, if you even watched Iona play, you, you saw that, you know, like they're, they're, it's just, it's just going to be very different. And, and let's be fair. I mean, when, when, if you're, if you're a St. John's fan, I mean, you haven't really seen much of a half court offense in a long time. You know, Chris Mullen didn't really run much and, and even Steve Lavin didn't really run much. Um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be eye opening for St. John's fans who are just not used to seeing um, offensive sets and clean looks and a bunch of shot makers out there. Uh, it's just gonna be very different. It, it's a great. You live in the city, Zach. There, there's college basketball is hard to build up in this town because it's such a pro town, right? It's such a Knicks town. Even the Nets can't sniff it, but. Back in the day, okay, when St. John's uh, was a national brand, we saw what it could do to energize this city. They have to win, okay? If they win, the garden for St. John's will become a place to go. In my estimation, this is a this is a pretty darn good time for college basketball fans in the New York area. Iona with Tobin Anderson uh, didn't skip a beat. Fordham with Keith Ergo uh, coming off their best season since the early nineties, you can make a case that, that, that the future looks very bright for college basketball in this area. Yeah. Look, you, the, the local mid majors are, are very good at very good coaching. You know, I, I, I really like what speedy class has done at Hofstra. Right. Um, I forgot about him. <laughs> right. And, and you know, what I love is St. John's is going to play Hofstra and Fordham next year. Um, you know, which is going to be a lot of fun, you know, Fordham at the Garden, Hofstra at UBS, um, which I really like. Yeah, look, Tobin Anderson's a fantastic coach. There's no question. He's he's done well. He's got some nice pieces. I, I really like you know, Fordham ha- has had a nice offseason. You know, and the one thing that people don't realize is at least on in terms of talent, their best player last year didn't play. Um, Angel Montas is a guy who's really, really good. And they were so excited about him. And he had injury issues last year and didn't even play. So obviously they lose some guys, but they bring some guys back. They add some guys. And Montas is a guy that can really 
that can really play. Look, it's you're right. It's it's a lot. It's you have some really really good programs. You know, Hofstra won the league last year. They obviously didn't make the tournament, but they 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 did win their league. Um, and you know, they they then had a great win in the NIT over Rutgers. You know, they yep. you know Speedy's done done pretty well. He's he struggled a bit in the conference tournament, which when you're at a a mid major is what people really grade you on. But um, I still kind of like what what I've seen out of him in his first year as a head coach, Tobin Anderson, we all know, and uh, Keith Ergo is very good. So, yeah, look, those three programs are in great shape. And, yeah, it's, it should be a lot of fun. I, I really, I'm really happy that St. John's is playing uh, two of the schools, and maybe they could get three the following year. Yeah, great stuff, Zach. Uh, you know, there is a buzz about St. John's, and the Big East is better when St. John's is very good and i'm excited about it i'm excited to see what st john's can do on the court uh it's been great talking with you and giving us everything that you know about a program that's near and dear to your heart so thanks for the time zach and and enjoy the time off this summer you deserve it thanks a lot man really really had fun on it and appreciate you having me all right zach and we'll look for that article in the new york post coming out about st john's and and your prediction uh in the new york post for this coming season zach we'll talk to you soon all right, talk to you later. All right, there he is, Zach Braziller from the New York Post, and I enjoy reading his articles. I agree with almost everything he said. Uh, can St. John's be as good as fifth? Listen, they're going to be in that mix, but don't underestimate Villanova because when you have guys like Dixon and Moore returning as graduate seniors, uh, you saw what a healthy Justin Moore can do. He is just a beast. And Eric Dixon is one of the best big men in the Big East. He is an immovable object. And you have another year of Mark Armstrong getting better. Villanova is going to be very good. And look, Providence is right there as well. They haven't skipped a beat since Kim English replaced Ed Cooley. He has gotten players there. He has gotten players to stay and Providence is going to be right in the mix as well. So, you know, if you're talking about tournament teams this year in the Big East on May 19th, they could have as many as seven teams from this conference that look like they can make a case to make the NCAA tournament. And there's always surprises in the Big East, right? And in every college basketball season, that's why you play the games. So it was a lot of fun talking to Zach. We will continue to have podcasts here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast as long as there is news happening. Look, don't forget, players will still sign over the coming months, all right? UConn got Joey Calcaterra last June, so there's still rosters that need to be filled out, and as there's news to report in the Tri-State, we will have a podcast for you right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So until the next one, so long, everyone. I'm Brian Dinabellis. Thanks for listening.